Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell. What is a monumental weekend ahead? Oklahoma State traveling down to Austin. Colby, how are we feeling about this one? Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, it's been a good week so far. Coming off the bye week. It's been nice. It's been relaxing. Got some Cowboys in the NFL doing some things. So feeling pretty good making my way into OSU Texas weekend. Yeah, you know, back in the day, this was just a horrifying week because you knew OSU would lead in the first half and then get smoked in the second. And it just, for a long period of time there, it felt like OSU was never going to beat Texas. And I have some some crazy numbers about that. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast as always. And we're going to have a guest on today's show. My man, Sean Clinch, used to work in, in Oklahoma City at the Fox Oklahoma City TV station, now lives in Austin. He's one of the most diehard Longhorns that I know. He's a super, super great guy and one of the more positive people you'll ever meet. And he's pretty tied in to Texas. And he'll give us some insight on what's going on with the Longhorns coming off that devastating loss to Oklahoma. So he'll join us here in just a few minutes. But Colby, I kind of wanted to, to break down the game with you. I did see an astonishing statistic this week on Twitter. This is from Sidelines, Oklahoma State. Since 2010, the average recruiting class ranking for OSU and Texas. OSU is 34th, Texas 9th. Five-star recruits, OSU 0, Texas 17. Wins, OSU 101, Texas 71. Head-to-head wins, OSU 7, Texas 4. Times ranked in the top five. (laughs) <laughs> OSU 11, Texas 2. First round draft picks, 5 for OSU, 3 for Texas, and Big 12 championships 1-0 in favor of Oklahoma State. Isn't that just astonishing? That is – boy, that was so much fun to just listen to you read those off. I think I might uh, clip that and save it, and whenever <laughs> I'm feeling a little down, maybe I'll play that. Maybe if we lose this weekend, I'm feeling a little down, maybe I'll just play – that statistic back that is remarkable how much not just that Oklahoma State's been a better program but just how much better of a program Oklahoma State's been over the last decade and it it really comes down to number one Oklahoma State's been very consistent and number two Texas just has had some serious administration problems with boosters uh trying to to basically instead of just being silent partners, be uh, active daily, weekly partners of the football program, uh, athletic directors that can't figure out what to do uh, with head coaches, head coaches that just for whatever reason, probably in large part because of the boosters, can't make it work. It's been one thing after another for Texas. And, you know, every two to three years they get a new coach and somebody wants to declare them as back. Man, it's going to be a while, and I'm going to have to see a lot more before I can say anything about Texas being back because where they were in the mid-2000s with those Mac Brown teams, I mean, they're not anything close to that at any point over the last decade. No, it's, it's wild because, you know, other than having the two best quarterbacks in the history of their school in Vince Young and Colt McCoy, Texas has been pretty mediocre. I mean, they have two conference titles, and it took those two quarterbacks to do it in the Big 12. And I have some sobering stats for Sean. I'll, I'll save some of those. But it's, it's really crazy if you go back and just look at the overall head-to-head matchups with OSU and Texas. You know, I mentioned 
when Les Miles was there when I was in college, you know, we were, we were getting ready to go to a date party and OSU was up 35 to seven in Austin. And we we're like, Oh my gosh, we're going to, we're killing Texas. This is great. We can, we can just leave. And then Wrong. Vince Young happened to end the first half and then they, they lost by like 50 or something. It was crazy. It seemed like every single year OSU would get a big lead. Even some bad teams. Al Pena was up on Vince Young at halftime at quarterback uh, back in, in Stillwater. I believe that was the 05 year where, where Donovan Woods got pump faked into the stratosphere. By the way, by the way, Donovan's a friend of mine, and he swears that Martel Van Zant was supposed to have contain, and he lost contain. And if he would have made the play, Donovan wouldn't still be on SportsCenter 15 years later. <laughs> I know that. That stinks when you're doing your job thinking someone's behind you. Nope, you're going to be on the highlight reel. But Although I'll say this as well, Donovan, you, you did get pump fake to the moon. So, well, and <laughs> no good I fun mean, years later. And let's face facts. Like, you got pump fake by the greatest quarterback in a long, long, long time to play college football. I mean, yes. so there, there are a lot worse things you could have done on a football field than that. So he, is, he has no shame. And he got to go play in the NFL. So he clearly – was a great player when they and got a Super Bowl ring, and he got a Super Bowl ring. Wow, that's big time. He was on the uh, which Steelers squad was he on? Which which Steelers years did they win the Super Bowl? One of those years he was a, a special teams. Well, they beat he played some linebacker for Pittsburgh. He was on the fifty three man roster for that Super Bowl. It had to be the year that Ben beat Arizona, I would think, because that because when they beat. When they beat Seattle, I was in college, so Donovan had to be still in college then too. So it had to be the year that they they beat Arizona in that wild Super Bowl. But anyway, so I, I looked up the head-to-heads, and Oklahoma State hadn't beaten Texas since 1997. They'd only beaten them twice in 97 and then back in like the, the early days, like the 40s or something, because they didn't play every year until the Big 12 was formed. They didn't play at all, hardly, until the Big 12 was formed. And so they hadn't beat Texas since 97, Les Miles came close a bunch of times. Mike Gundy starts his career 0-5 against Texas, and it just seemed like they just, you know, they obviously had their problems with Oklahoma, but it just seemed like that the talent gap between them and Texas was just too much to overcome. A lot of those games weren't close, and it just seemed like OSU was never going to break through in the Big 12 because they had to get through OU and Texas. Well, then we all know the issues Texas had. Mike lost his first five, and now he's won – seven of the past 11 and he's won five of six in Austin. He became the first coach or the first, first program ever to win five straight games in Austin, Texas, which just seemed like an, a total impossibility just a few years prior. So, and Mike Gundy was asked about it and he gave a great answer just about how, you know, just beating them once kind of gave people belief to where you don't have to be scared. You just go out there and play and you can, you know, you can beat them. And he said, just having players obviously. And, but I just went over the recruiting rankings. It's it's less about players and more about coaching. And this is where, you know, I'm, I've been critical of Mike Gundy. But you can't be critical of how good of a football coach he is because I just gave the numbers. The raw numbers say that Oklahoma State should not beat Texas. But Mike Gundy is clearly a, a great talent evaluator because he's had more first-round draft picks despite those recruiting rankings. And he clearly just knows how to coach football, man. And it's pretty astonishing the way he's flipped the script against Texas. Yeah, it really is. A lot of credit uh, is owed to Mike Gundy for what he's done against Texas because that really, I mean, that's the hurdle. OU's run the conference, but who's second best in the conference has been up for debate. And the crazy thing is, is OSU has undoubtedly, you look at the numbers, total wins, wins in conference, all that stuff. Oklahoma State's the second best team 
in the conference the last decade, and it's not particularly close. And yet, there have been five different schools make appearances at Jerry's World, and Oklahoma State's not one of them. So it's like Oklahoma State has done all the winning, but there's been one or two losses every year at the wrong time where you need one of those to get you to Jerry's World over the last five years and just haven't made it happen because obviously OU's been there, Texas has been there, TCU's been in that game, Iowa State's been in that game, and I believe Baylor was in that game one year. So half the conference has been to the conference championship game, and Oklahoma State is not amongst that half. So that is the the one part of the script that needs flipped because this has been the second-best program in the conference over the last decade. Yep, no doubt. And that's that's somewhat the disappointing part, right? Like, you've had Texas down for a decade – and you haven't been able to just get over the OU hump. You haven't been able to capitalize on Texas being down. And that's not going to last forever, but obviously Texas in the Big 12 is not going to last very much longer at all. So I guess it's a it's becoming a moot point for the distant future, but that is one disappointing thing that they weren't able to to win a more than one conference championship over that that period of time. But how how are you feeling about this matchup, Colby? You know, I've said it before, OSU faced Kansas State and Baylor, neither are great offensively. They're playing their by far their biggest test here. And according to Football Outsiders defensive FEI ratings, Oklahoma State is ninth nationally and the best in the Big 12. And ESPN's SP Plus has them ranked 12th nationally, best in the Big 12. So by the numbers, they're one of the best defenses in the country, let alone the Big 12. But Facing Texas is a whole nother matter. How do you how do you see this game playing out defensively for OSU? Yeah, this is a game, you know, last week we saw what Texas did to Oklahoma, particularly in that first half. In that second half, Oklahoma made a lot of the necessary adjustments and only gave up, I believe, 10 points in that second half. But in the first half, Texas was successful doing a lot of things. Number one, screen game, quick screens out on the edge to Worthy and some other guys. I mean, first play of the game, they run that quick screen out to the left, uh, and then an OU defender just gets himself, I can't remember who it was, Jaden Davis maybe, gets himself in horrible position, forces the receiver outside when he needed to receive force him inside and he's gone because one thing Texas has always had and still has they've got speed Texas is going to be fast all he needed was a step toward the edge uh Turner Yale takes a bad angle boom he's gone they hit OU over the top a couple of times I mean this worthy kid is the real deal he was true offensive true freshman of the week uh a week ago in the nation not in big 12 in the nation so Oklahoma State is going to have to keep him locked down. Uh, I think safety play in this game is going to be key to keep those guys from getting behind you with their speed. And then as far as Bijan goes, I actually kind of really like the matchup of Oklahoma State's front seven against Bijan. Now, look, he is a great individual player. We saw that run last week where he went right, almost gets to the sideline, cuts back left, splits defenders, does the whole thing, the, the whole Bijan experience. Now, he might have one of those against Oklahoma State. But I don't see just a consistent torching of the Oklahoma State coming on the ground. Uh, I do think that, that Texas will be able to have more success offensively than Kansas State had, than Baylor had against this defense. But I don't think it's going to be drastic. Uh, and I, I think that there's a pretty good chance that Oklahoma State holds Texas under 30. I do too. And I think the difference between Oklahoma's defense and Oklahoma State's is the, the level of tackling. I mean, you mentioned Bijan. I mean, he, he was stiff-arming dudes into oblivion. We when OSU tackles you, that you go down to the ground, and OSU does a fantastic job of that. But I'm with you on the, the short screen games. That's where OSU's corners are really going to be under duress in this game. I mean, o, OU's got torched deep. They got torched on the on the sideline throws. 
how the OSU's corners, I think, is going to determine this game for them, how they, how well they play. I think OSU's defensive line is going to be fine. I don't think they're as necessarily as talented as Oklahoma's, but they've they've played outstanding. Tyler Lacey's been a monster this year. A bunch of those guys are playing really well up front. I don't worry about Bijan just going nuclear. I worry far more about the edge at the corner spots. And that's really that's really the most intrigue of this matchup, Cole, because you got OSU's you know, stellar defense going up against Texas' high-powered offense. And Casey Thompson, Oklahoma kid, going up against Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy was asked about him. I guess, I guess Charles Thompson and Mike Gundy played on the same All-State team back in the day. Talk about small world. Yeah, definitely small world. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Casey Thompson last week was really good. Again, most of it was early. He was 20 of 34, 388, five touchdowns against Oklahoma. I don't expect him to uh, to be able to replicate that. If he does, then that's it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma State because I don't think that this offense is really built to get into a 55 to 48 shootout with Texas. I don't think that that lends itself uh, very well to Oklahoma State at all. Uh, rushing is going to be mostly Bijan Robinson, and receiving was worthy more. Now, Whittington went down last week for Texas. They like to use him some. I don't I don't know how serious that injury was maybe uh Sean he's Cole. out he's out yeah. okay. and they have uh another player a defensive end that's out so they're okay. a little banged up not having Whittington is huge uh yeah I think it is too I mean obviously he didn't do a ton last week he got hurt I believe it was in the third quarter of that game but um, again Xavier Worthy last week was nine catches for 261 yards and two touchdowns uh you've got to do something against him you've got to make sure that his life is not easy but the thing is And again, this just goes back to Jim Knowles. I feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident going into games, feeling like the opposing quarterback is not going to stand comfortably in the pocket. And that just, man, that opens things up for your defense. Colin Oliver doing what he's been doing off the edge opens things up. Tyler Lacey, like you mentioned, there are a bunch of guys in that front seven who have just made life miserable for opposing quarterbacks through five weeks so far. And I think that we could see that continue against Texas. Uh, I would say look for Jim Knowles to be ultra aggressive in this matchup. I I don't see any reason to sit back and let Casey Thompson and Steve Sarkeesian pick you apart, go after them, make them uncomfortable. And if they beat you with one or two long ones, that's fine. They beat you with one or two long ones, but you're going to, you're going to make their lives miserable all night. Yeah. I think that'll be the difference because you saw Casey Thompson, the first half you, you pointed out on last, the last pod that he just got to stand there up tall and upright and just deliver the ball way down the field because there was no pass rush. Jim Knowles is not going to let him do that. So That'll be interesting. On the other side of the ball, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Spencer Sanders and interceptions and those things. Oh, I guess our guest has arrived. Sean Clinch, are you there? Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Doing good, man. This is uh, Colby Powell is my co-host. Colby, say hello to Sean. What's going on, Sean? Good to have you. Appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you, Colby. I hope you guys are, have had about four shots of espresso. I have not yet. <laughs> No, I I could use some. Um, you got a few minutes to chat, OSU Texas. Oh, one hundred percent. If uh, the background noise you hear is temporary, it is me finding a spot. Okay. Well, you find a spot. You know, Sean. You, I, I kind of introduced you earlier. Obviously, your work here in Oklahoma City at, at Fox in the sports market here. You you left an indelible mark because we all we all love and miss you, man. And uh, now you're in Austin, Texas. Uh, you have your, your own podcast stories inside the man cave. Tell us about your podcast. You got going on down in Austin. Well, first off, Carson, your brother for life, man, there's no doubt. And there are uh, quite a few guys and ladies in Oklahoma city. That media fraternity is something different. there. very strong and 
feel like I have a family there for the rest of my life there in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. You know what? For the first, when I tell people all the time, I say, I love Norman, Oklahoma. I love Stillwater. People around here look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Are you genetically off? <laughs> and, but no, the podcast is stories inside the man cave and it is it's slowly had a uh it's, it's you know ascended it's grown you know I, I i've ventured into the world of sponsorships and i tell you what once you get sponsorships that's when things start to really grow but it is not so much about that it's been amazing to have guests on every segment one who has honestly inspired me in some aspects and some really good stories, some fun, some com- comedians. And it's just good to stay connected to the world that you and I have been spoiled by, and that being the sports world. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you talk a lot of Texas Longhorn football. I mean, have you recovered from the Red River rivalry, Sean? I, I know it's a delicate s- subject, but, man, that was a uh, – had, had to be a heartbreaker. That was – you know, this is my first true – football season in which I have been able to go to every game either travel or just to go in and enjoy it as a as a normal human being it's the strangest thing to be normal <laughs> and it has I've watched this Texas team grow they you know we went in a lot of people need to tap the brakes on the expectations for Texas just expect to improve in aspects well Oklahoma the OU or the Red River rivalry, that is, I think Sark did it right. I think he knew that he had to get out to a quick start and because he knew that his team, I think, that latter half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter is their weakness this year because they're, they're just not great in the trenches, especially on offensive line, and then they, the depth catches up with them. Um, but I just surely did not expect them to blow a 28-7 lead or uh, what was it, a 16-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And uh, we saw Kyler Murray storm back uh, for OU back in 2018. So that was kind of similar, but this time it stung. I mean, I literally, if my buddy who I went with, we sat in the stadium for a good 40 minutes because I, I just couldn't believe what we just witnessed. Yeah, no doubt. You know? it, was, it, it was shocking to kind of watch it. And now from the Oklahoma state perspective, kind of the narrative around here has been OSU's catching Texas in a really good spot because that just looked every, every bit of that seemingly five hour game looked so physically, emotionally draining for Texas. And I just don't know what the vibe is going to be in Austin this week with guy. I mean, the excitement level to be at practice, to put in the work, to do the extra film study. It feels like a good spot for Oklahoma state is that us just being bright orange homers? You know you or do you think it's a tough spot for Texas coming off that big emotional loss last week? Uh, you, you bring up some valid points. I mean, strong points. But I think what is different with Sark is he really infuses a ton of positive energy in these guys. I mean, let's face it. They don't have the roster that he needs to do anything significant this year. And I'm not being negative. I'm just being calling it like it is and being objective. Um, having said that, if you remember Tom Herman's teams, did they ever get blown out? No. Did they respond usually? 
Did they play up tight all the time? 100%. This team with Sark, so far, they are not uptight. They're having fun. And I think you'll see a team that's going to be prepared and ready to continue to grow. I don't really think that um, the fans' expectations of going to the Big 12 championship game are really on the minds of this program. They're just taking the next step in development. And Oklahoma State has their attention and has my attention. Has you? I mean, everyone who follows Texas, this uh, Gundy's program is well-respected. And they know they're going to have a team that's going to play four four quarters. You can't say that about every program, even in the Big 12. And what's weird, though, is I think that has a lot of attention is it seems to me OSU's defense is better than their offense. I have never said that in my adult life covering or following OSU. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I got to think, Sean, you mentioned Sarkeesian, just kind of the different vibe he's brought. From an outsider's perspective like myself, it just seems like they're better coached. They seem more competent so far. Obviously, it's early in his tenure, and and the collapse against OU obviously had to sting. But mm. just from an overall just program, it just seems like they're more well-run. Is that kind of the, the sense you get watching them week to week? Yeah. I, you know, you have a good set of eyes. I, I, I know – what you see and, and that's you know that's that's a cerebral approach I know that's that's how you've always been and so yeah you make a good judgment on what you see and and but you, you know the fans here are just like OU's fans they're very critical some are <laughs> oh my god it's just it's not logical thinking um, <laughs> and overly critical of kids and I've become very I don't know if it's my older age I've become a little less really concerned about what I say, but I'm thinking, yeah, you're really, people can really criticize these age group kids a little much, but to answer your question, I think there is a, when you're having fun and you're encouraged to learn and you're put in an environment that encourages learning, I think you have an overall um, better acumen, so to speak, or, or ability to absorb this knowledge and the want to add another layer of knowledge. Cause that from what I'm understanding, they have added a layer upon layer upon layer to this offense, new wrinkles, uh, <laughs> the, the multiple audibles that go on every week since the last week of July to now. So, yeah. And even defensively, if they can just pass preschool tackling, this is, <laughs> they can be, they can be pretty good. It's just, they're not there yet. So that gets me to my next question. You said preschool tackling. Jalen Warren's pretty hard to tackle. Spencer Sanders isn't really easy to tackle in the open field. I mean, how do you feel about the Texas defense this week? Oklahoma State, like you said, this is not 2011 patented juggernaut Oklahoma State offense, but they still have some guys that are pretty shifty and, and can, can move around on the field. So how do you feel about Texas defensively this week? Uh, God, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can see a defense could give up 50. Then I see, I can see them, okay, I see you. You're giving up 28. I don't know what to expect. But you know that there. you would think I respect from Sark's teams not to make the same mistakes over and over. Tackling is somewhat correctable. I don't think you can correct it in one week. Or in this case, uh, five or four out of the last five weeks. It's just bizarre 
and I, I get into these discussions with people personally or even on the podcast, tackling is an epidemic, but for some reason, it, it, it's like a, uh, it's like COVID-19. It just won't go away. The, the poor tackling in college football. Yeah. I mean, it's, but especially in Austin. Oh, I don't know what it is about the teams here in the recent history, but to answer your question, I, I, Gundy said we don't want to get into a shootout with them being Texas. I, I'm pretty sure that if OSU needed to, they could, they could hang around. I mean, am I wrong for thinking that? No, I mean, we've seen at times where Spencer Sanders can light it up, specifically against Texas last year in Stillwater. I mean, that first half, I mean, he threw for nearly 300 yards, was running around, looked like the player we all kind of envisioned him to be. So they, they're capable, and against Kansas State, you know, they, they dropped a bunch of points in the first half, and Sanders looked that way. So, no, you're, you're not wrong. It, it could turn into that type of game with, with how good Texas has been offensively, and then OSU can kind of find themselves within the game. But, Sean, you got you to enlighten me, man. All I heard Big 12 media days from, from people who cover the team was Casey Thompson's the quarterback, and then Hudson Card runs <laughs> out there to start the season. They get their doors blown off by Arkansas. <laughs> What what changed, and why did Sark go with with Hudson Card instead of Casey Thompson? That, gosh, that is such that's a great question, and it's you know I've been trying even to this day trying to ask the people who are you know like on your side of the fence now. I try to figure out, try to ask some assistant coaches because I'm just not you know not as dialed in as I used to. So I have to I have to work harder, mm-hmm. um, um, and and get information. I I've been told that. Obviously, Casey's a very, very, very crafty, smart, just work ethic off the charts. I think what happened was I, I Hudson just had some it factor in practice. Not that Casey's a horrible practice player, but there was some personality trait that really caught the attention in practice more consistently than um casey thompson but you can't put a guy like that i i I was in fayetteville and that was i had first off i had never been so verbally abused before in my life Uh, oh wow yeah that was that was an interesting environment they they're not interested in being friends with people from texas and arkansas by the way (laughs) (laughs) they're they're Uh, a little bitter i think from the old southwestern conference days they yes they hate everything about the state of Texas, but that environment up there in Fayetteville is what every college football program should you know, strive for. It's intimidating, and that was not the place for Hudson Carr to go in and make any mistake in which – because Arkansas capitalized on every mistake he made and put him on the ground often, and he was overthrowing, but Casey just – Casey's a gamer, and you just hope that uh, you can keep these two for another season together with the, the Malik Murphy that's coming in, and I think they're going to try to bring in another quarterback. Uh, maybe, let's see, uh, for the future, Arch Manning. Everyone's trying to get him, but I don't know, Carson. That was uh, – threw me off not starting Casey. I will say this. When I covered Lake Travis High School back in the day, um, I thought Hudson was a phenomenal athlete. Played, started out receiver, played quarterback, 
And I always thought that receiver would be his position at this level. Um, I, I just kept people, some people kept saying, yeah, he's going to play quarterback. And I'm like, he needs to be on the field, but not at quarterback, not as the starter, maybe in a package, but here we are. I, I, I still don't know. I'm not trying to be the guy that has to be right. That was just an opinion. Right. I've seen a lot of Casey Thompson uh, over the years. I was the play-by-play voice for Southmore, his final two seasons uh-huh. at Southmore before he headed off to Newcastle. So I saw him a lot in high school. Thought he was a really good player when he went down to Texas. I just, I didn't know with Ellinger there. I didn't know how long it would take him. A lot of guys don't wait their turn. A lot of guys know option. I mean, guys want to play Casey Thompson waited his turn and then he wasn't named the starter week one, which I imagine was incredibly difficult. He stuck it out anyway. And now he is the guy. And I would imagine that he would want to come back next year, get another year under his belt, another year of film, another uh, year for NFL guys to look at and maybe just have a a huge monster year and try to vault himself to the next level. What do you really think the ceiling is for Casey Thompson? Because I I still think uh, with another year under Sark, he could really put some things on film that could excite some NFL teams. I I think I'm with you. Kobe, I'm – yeah. I am 100% behind what you just stated. I think, honestly, I think this system fits um, Casey and his growth and for a a possible NFL future than Tom Herman's system. Um, You know, Tom Herman loved loved the quarterback run game and the quarterback power, the leads for the power. And that's not really uh, what you're going to see in the NFL. That's not going to help your future of all the physical pounding. Now, Casey obviously can run. He's, a, he's elusive. He'll evade tacklers. And, and he's a, but he's a, has a great feel for the defense. And the guy, have you, have you guys, did you guys hear what he said when he was named the starter, when he was asked about how he handled the rejection when he was not named the starter going into the uh, Louisiana game? Did you no. guys hear what he had to say? I did not. I, I want to be honest with you. I, at that age, I could not have, I don't think I could have responded remotely close to what he said. He said that it was just not his time that he congratulated Hudson, that he earned it, that, you know, I don't know if it's political and all that, but the guy's overly intelligent. He is like a, a surgeon that really analyzes things before he executes them. But the kid really, instead of going out, he, he, he watches film a lot, either at home or at the facility. So the guy is really, he knows defenses and he knows the feel. I mean, if you guys look back at the Texas OU or OU Texas game, Red River rivalry, whatever we're calling it. Look, I'd say over 50% of the time, He's having to scramble, roll left, roll right, because he has no protection. And for him to throw for 366 yards and five touchdowns, I think that speaks volumes for the type of quarterback he is. Yeah, he was sensational. And, Sean, I don't mean to make you depressed on this this Thursday that we're taping, but (laughs) I've got a sobering, sobering statistic for the Texas football program. Their longest gap – their longest gap between conference championships is 11 seasons from 1931 to 1941 and from 2010 to 2020. So if they don't win the big 12 championship this year, it'll be the longest time they've ever gone without a conference championship. 
what is it about this job that's been so difficult <laughs> for for top coaches? I mean, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, Sarkeesian, these guys all had their stock was through the roof when they got hired at Texas. What like we can all speculate here in Oklahoma, you're much closer to it. What are some of the intricacies with this program that what's gotten in the way and why why are they in this position that they're in now? Uh, I'm going to use one word. <laughs> And I'll go and I'll elaborate. That's a great question. I, I love talking about this, this, uh, this subject. The one word that I'll describe all this systemic. It is my opinion. I love the lost gods. I really did. He, he was a guy that, you know, had everyone aligned and believed and it was on board. Uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, set the standard for everybody. Okay. That's great. But when you're president, you start going through a handful of presidents. You start that arrogance. Arrogance, as we know, in some ways, I'm not saying the lost arrogant, but there were some ways that uh, were do all the programs, including football. As we all know, football is provides the revenue for most of, of the athletic department. It's a business. It's a significant business. I think there were some things going on behind the scene that were just arrogant. And I think, I don't know if you guys are on board with me on this, but when you are arrogant over a X amount of time, I don't know if you believe in karma, but it comes back. It really does. So not being progressive and the arrogance and all the changes they had in leadership from chancellor, president, ADs, head coaches, all those especially over the short period of time over what since 2010 or 2012, there's not going to be any consistency. And you can look at some of the play on the field in football. It's like, why does Texas continue to have average at best defense? Why does Texas have still struggle in situations they did in 2012 systemic? Everything's for you to be good. Look at OSU at 2011, even all the way in recent history. Everyone's aligned. Everyone, like president, AD, everyone in between, everyone's aligned. There's no people going different directions. Same thing at OU. But Texas hasn't had that. Now they do with um, Del Conte and Jay Harzo, the president. I think just a few more pieces are needed. And I know it's been said over and over, but it's uh, I need a couple more years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good perspective, Sean. We appreciate your time, man. Let's get your uh, pick before we let you get out of here. Who are you, ta are you taking? I really think Texas jumps out quickly, but then I think OSU just mucks it up, dirties it up, and play makes it the game they want, and they lead at halftime. Um, like 20 to 17. And this game comes down to the final eight, five to eight minutes of the game. And I honestly think that Texas uh, experiences a learning moment where they actually helps their confidence. I think they beat a really good uh, Oklahoma State team, 34-27. Nice. They have won two in a row, trying to make it three in a row. And, and, if Texas wins this game, they're they're still in good position to make it to, to Jerry World, getting out of crack at most likely Oklahoma. So, Sean, 
We appreciate your time, man. Thanks for your perspective. And uh, hopefully I can get down to Austin soon and come see you. I, I do too. And we, there's so many new things here, both you and Colby. Uh, I know you, you're down here often. There's a lot of great uh, – uh, the culinary scene, as you know, is great. Oh, yeah. More barbecue. And there's a lot of uh, mixologists I think you need to be exposed to. That you, <laughs> I, know you, I know you find them out every t- where they are every time you're here. But I'd love to go out in the town with you guys and hopefully be on Stillwater soon. Don't tempt me with a good time. I'm, I'm certainly <laughs> down. I'm certainly down for that, Sean. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, Sean. Hey, thanks, Kobe. Appreciate you guys. See you. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, Sean's always great. Always. Well, Colby, what, how are you feeling about this game? What's your what's your uh, what's your thinking on this? What, what's your picks? And then we'll get to the uniform uh, preview. So I'm pretty close in terms of how many points are going to be scored with kind of where Sean's at. I've got it sitting at Oklahoma State 30, Texas 27. This is going to be a challenge for Oklahoma State's defense. I do still think that they're capable of holding this Texas team under 30, and I think they're going to need to. I I don't think Oklahoma State's going to go out and score 45 points. I don't think this Texas defense is a juggernaut by any means. But Oklahoma State's offense isn't built to win 45-42 in, in 2021. It's just not. It is built to win 30-27. to 27. Uh, The line has pretty much held steady at 4.5 since it came down earlier in the week. It opened at 6, came down to 4.5. That's where it's at right now. Uh, yeah, 30-27, to 27, and I guess that would barely be under. The over-under is 60. So uh, Vegas has it pretty much right in the same range that Sean and I do. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm, I've gone back and forth in this game. And what stands out to me was the way Oklahoma was able to run the football in Texas. They ran for 339 yards, which is only about 40 less yards than they had combined against their other three FBS games. So they ran for almost the same total yardage in one game they did versus the other three FBS schools they faced. Now, part of that was having Caleb Williams in there and his running ability, which I think Oklahoma State can replicate with with Spencer Sanders. And I, I think OSU's offensive line has been really really good over the last couple of weeks i think they're better than they have been in years past to where you know texas kind of overpowered them last year in the second half oh, oh, joseph osai just wreaked total havoc i think he had like four sacks a few forced fumbles and really changed the entire complexion of that game seemingly single-handed on defense for texas he's gone he's not there so i think oklahoma state's gonna have success running the football and, and mucking it up as sean said and kind of turning it into a fewer possession game than we saw in uh, the Cotton Bowl. And I just think OSU's defense is good enough to handle Texas. I, I don't think Texas's offensive line is very good. Uh, Oklahoma got after them in the second half once they, once they picked themselves off the mat after getting two quick touchdowns scored against them. And so I just think OSU's better. I do. And uh, I didn't really expect to say that coming into this game. That's kind of where I lean on it. And – I think it's going to be lower scoring because of the fewer possessions. I've got Oklahoma State winning 28-24. I just think they do enough defensively and uh, get a late stop to uh, to get the win. And it, what a win it would be, Cole, because if OSU wins this, they'll have the tiebreaker on Texas and will really be in a great position to, to make it to Jerry World. Yeah, two wild cards in this game that concern me a little bit. Turnovers and field goals. Turnovers and field goals. I hope I'm not having to talk turnovers and field goals on Monday because if Oklahoma State loses this game, I think that's where they lose it. Yeah, I mean, that's the great equalizer, and that's what's really held them back the last few years with Spencer Sanders. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm so fired up for this game. 
Uh, let's get to the Chris University Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboys shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Road game, Colby, what look are you going with? Road game. Give me white, white, black. White Ooh. tops, white shirts, black pants. I think they're going to go in and uh, look Ooh. pretty clean against Texas. I just I, I've debated on which white helmet I think it's going to be. It wouldn't shock me if they went with the old school OSU logo on the side of the helmet uh, where the S kind of just flows out to the edge of the logo. I, I kind of like that one, that helmet tomorrow, not tomorrow, Saturday. Well, they do a good job of matching the helmet with the overall look. So I think they'll go, if they do that look, which I think they'll go back to the one they wore at Tulsa back during the, the rain delay game where the brand is black on the helmet, white helmet, black brand, white Jersey, black pants. I think that'd be a great look. We haven't seen that. I don't think since then. Uh, so I would love that. I think they go, they go back to the well. They love wearing black, white, black in Austin. It served them well. They've won. They've won every time. I think they've worn that in Austin. I think they, they're big on the uniform karma. I think they'll go back to the uniform karma and go black, white, black with the, uh, the orange brand on the black helmet, which I, I think is one of their better road looks. Uh, I think it's a great road look. By the way, to our listeners out there, sometimes people tweet us during the game. I don't get to watch the game Saturday. I'm playing in a, a weekend-long, season-long golf tournament, end-of-the-season golf tournament that's 36 all Saturday, 18 Sunday. So I will not get to watch the game Saturday morning. I will probably be watching it at about 8 o'clock Saturday night. So if you tweet me during the game wondering uh, my thoughts on what's happening, you will not be getting a reply. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, good luck in your golf tournament, Colby. It's going to be fascinating. And uh, this time next week, we'll be talking about Oklahoma State potentially going to Jerry World, or we'll be talking about how they better beat Iowa State if they want to stay in the race. So it's going to be a fun weekend. It's a big game. It's a big, big game. Go Pokes.